Welcome to Making America Strong Again, the only program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Join fellow patriots as we rediscover our past, reignite our future, and celebrate America now. Welcome to Making America Strong Again. This is Steve Olds, and it is my privilege to welcome you to our regular program. I appreciate all those who are downloading our podcast at patriotpodcast.com, as well as our iHeartRadio listeners from around the world downloading our app, listening to the show, and sharing with those you know. We really appreciate it. As has become the theme over recent weeks, we've been focusing on leadership and more specifically, servant leadership. We've been looking at a lot of different ways that servant leaders impact our communities, impact our country, impact our families. We've looked at people throughout history who have done just that. We've talked about our founders. Obviously, we could spend the next 50 years talking about leaders in American history and how they have improved our capability and our future. But we've also talked about the need to begin to look in the mirror. We've talked about how it is that we have to make decisions about our life and about how we're going to be leaders in our own right, whether that is beginning the process of becoming a leader yourself or perhaps leading your family or your business. Over the last several weeks, we've spoken about servant leadership specifically in terms of our local community. We've spoken of those in the business community, those who serve their customers, their employees. We talked about servant leaders in the family and in the home. We've talked about the fact that whether you're a child in the home just coming to the age of majority or whether you're a great-grandparent looking back at your home, looking back at your family, or perhaps now living again with your family and the impact that you can make. We've also talked about moms and dads who are now recognizing their need to become a stronger leader. And in some cases, they're single parents, and single parents have to make tough decisions, but they're rooted in love and leadership for the family. Our conversation has expanded to inspire those who want to learn about leadership, who want to learn about becoming specifically a servant leader in the area of entrepreneurship. We talked about the importance of serving the customer, the person, the individual, the company, the organization to whom you are addressing your product or service, the critical nature of your thinking to serve that organization, that individual, that person, so that they have extraordinary value after having done business with you or your company. And then, of course, the natural progression of serving that individual is the benefit of a strong relationship. And in business terms, that means profit. We have to have a winning proposition to serve everybody on the team. That means you and your company need to be paid for the service. That service needs to create value. That value needs to have enough margin so that the company continue to operate and expand and deliver that which is promised to your 
individual client. Today, we're going to expand this conversation. As we look into the fabric of our local community, our county, our states, and even the regions of the country where we live, and then as the nation as a whole, we begin to see powerful examples of those who lead with courage, conviction, and service on their hearts. But yet, they receive virtually no recognition of the work they do. What would your life be like if most people had no idea that you were actually doing the work you're doing? As humans, we've come to understand the value of being recognized for our work. It's important that we share how we feel about different people. We share how their work impacts our life. You know what it's like when you get a compliment, right? You know how important it is to know that you've done a good job. We want to encourage. We're not going to hang out and just wait for compliments, especially when we don't deserve them. But the point is that we need to look in those environments where there are people serving that we don't necessarily see every day. Now, we could make a long list of those in the community that serve. And there are a ton of folks out there that do. But I'm going to focus on a couple of key places. There is a type of selfless servant leadership that is exemplified by the heroes that surround us in our local areas and across the country. Yet most of them are unseen. And for the purpose of our discussion today, I'm going to describe some of these heroes in the context of people that will put their life on the line for you and me. You know, in the age of big movies and all sorts of Hollywood extravaganza, there are lots of casual lines sewn around about putting your life on the line for the people that you love. Let me ask you this question. How many people do you know right now personally that on a daily basis put their life at risk for you? How many people? How many people do you know that would volunteer to walk down dark alleys chasing bad guys so that you can sleep peacefully with your family? When do you see a hero in action? Sadly, a lot of the times we hear about the, the heroes themselves are after tragic incidents. So imagine for a minute that you were sitting in the back seat of the police cruiser in Harlem last night when two New York City Police Department officers responded to a call of an armed robbery with shots fired. At 10.22 last evening Eastern Time, Officer Randolph Holder was pronounced dead after having been shot in the head by the suspected perpetrator. Sadly, this happens all too frequently. We'll begin to learn about Officer Holder. He was an immigrant from Guyana. He wanted to be a police officer. And last night, he made the ultimate sacrifice for those whom he served in New York City. A week ago, two Kansas City, Kansas City firefighters were killed when the wall of a burning building collapsed on them and several others. Do you know any firefighters? I've got two brothers-in-law that are firefighters. And I've told Kurt and Jason both, I can't imagine what it's like to walk into a burning building. Can't imagine it. 
but yet they will don their masks. They will go into those burning buildings so that they can make sure that you and me are not in there succumbing to the smoke. How many firefighters do you see running around town? A lot of times we may see them responding to a call. Sometimes we see them in the median with their boots collecting money for charities. Think about those firefighters. What about the countless military service members who have made the ultimate sacrifice in pursuit of our nation's security? And we can go back all the way to the Revolutionary War and hear the stories of those famous military people who have served. But yet, that only scratches the surface. If you've ever been to the Vietnam War Memorial, you'll see on that black granite more than 55,000 names of those who were killed in action in Vietnam. We've had thousands of Americans stand up, respond to the call after 9-11, after they knew what the fight was going to look like, after they knew the brutality of the enemy that hates America so much that they prefer to kill women and children indiscriminately. We've had men and women volunteer to stand up and serve our country, many of them barely 18 years old, and they step into the line of fire. Ladies and gentlemen, those men and women are heroes. Those firefighters are heroes. Those police officers and those in law enforcement of all varieties that step into harm's way are heroes. Do we need to wait for a tragedy to see the heroes in our midst? What can we learn and apply about servant leadership from those who serve us now, especially those that serve us from the line of fire. What about those courageous warriors from the military services who are transitioning from one career after having served America, either for a full career or for several years, and are now moving into the civilian sector, who are now pursuing their next vocation. About a month ago, we talked about our warriors who are on the tip of this America's spear in the complicated environment of Syria and Iraq. Imagine the skills, the talents, and experiences that every member of our military team in that hostile environment receives while they're in a combat zone or even in the support role where seconds count in every support activity. Then imagine the strength of character that's required to be a spouse, a child, or a family member of one of those that are serving in combat. A lot of people don't think about the spouses that have to live every single day and function normally for their kids and their families while the other service member is living in a hostile territory with all sorts of challenges. Now, fortunately for us, we have the most powerful military organization in the world. We do, and we can stand on that. But now I submit that it's time to ask some different questions, especially as we look at the value of their servant leadership 
as it relates to the new civilian world that they may be stepping into. Have you ever considered the incredible amount of human capital that resides in our transitioning veterans and their families? Suppose we as a nation could capture this raw horsepower and leverage it with the incredible energy and capacity and experience in the private sector. And when we come back from the break, we're going to drill into that specifically, how it is that we can work with our veterans and begin to do something very different in the marketplace. We'll be right back. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. This is Steve Schwartz with pdgo.com. We've been in business for over 15 years and have created over 1,000 websites for clients across the USA and across the world. We help our clients have a custom, affordable website, and we teach them personally how they can very easily update the information on their websites themselves anytime they want to without being a techie. Take a look at pdgo.com and see samples of our work and testimonials that clients have said about our service. pdgo.com. Again, pdgo.com. At SurfPro of Vero Beach, no job is too big and no question is too small. So when fire, water, or mold damage strikes your home or business, call on SurfPro of Vero Beach at 772-770-0501. That's where you'll find a team of specialists that's faster to any size disaster. So when the things that matter most are on the line, make sure SurfPro of Vero Beach is too by calling 772-770-0501. That's SurfPro of Vero Beach, helping make fire, water, and mold damage like it never, ever happened. Franchises are independently owned and operated. Hi, this is Kelly Fisher, a supporter of the Making America Strong Again mission and your local real estate professional here on the Treasure Coast. It has been my honor to serve our community here in Vero Beach since 2003. And with over 1,500 home sales over the past 21 years, it's my hope that you will consider the Kelly Fisher team at Treasure Coast Sotheby's International Realty for all your real estate needs. It's also our desire that every family has a home and every home has a family. And we have partnered with the Homeless Family Center of Vero Beach to work toward that goal. When you buy or sell a home with the Kelly Fisher team, we will make a substantial contribution toward alleviating homelessness in our hometown. To be a part of this great mission, please call us at 772-321-6905. Welcome back to Making America Strong Again, the program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Once again, here's your host, Steve Olds. Well, thanks for hanging with us today on Making America Strong Again. And our focus is applying the talents and skills of our veterans who are transitioning from their experience, either in the combat or support roles in the military, into the private sector. I propose the idea that if we as a nation could capture the energy of the veterans and leverage it with the experience and perspective of successful entrepreneurs in the private sector, we could probably do some pretty amazing work. 
But sadly, with the challenges in the current economy, I believe we're only tapping into a fraction of the leadership and service capabilities of our veterans and their families. That's right. Their families are a huge part of the veterans' capability. A big reason for this goes back to another recent topic that we've talked about on the Making America Strong Again program, and that is our existing paradigms. In case you missed it, we talked about the definition of a paradigm, which in simple terms is just how we look at the world. It's the lens or the frame through which we look at what's in front of us. In this case, both the veteran and many times the veteran's family and the private sector individuals have very different paradigms about a veteran's capability, a veteran's skill set, what a veteran is all about. So how does a veteran transitioning out of the service see the civilian job market? A civilian job market that in many cases doesn't exactly have a one-to-one line item ratio on resumes. So for those that have been in different services, translating that experience into words and context that are clearly understood by the civilian sector is a challenge. And there are a ton of organizations and support people that will help do that. But it really begins in the mind of the veteran. What does the veteran see coming into the civilian world? And in many cases, it is a very scary proposition. Now, it's interesting because having been on both sides of this equation, I get to talk to a lot of civilian business owners that have not been part of a military organization, and they can't for a minute understand that a veteran who served in a hostile combat environment might be intimidated by the new job search. In other words, what could be more intimidating to being shot at on a regular basis? Well, as part of the military, you're trained up in an organization, whether that is a support group or whether that's being on the tip of the spear, to execute your combat capabilities. You've got teamwork, you've got mutual support, you've got armament, you've got protection, you've got electronic surveillance, you've got all the elements that you need to do your job and do it really well and to make sure you're the one that comes back and the enemy doesn't. But what happens when you take the suit off? What happens when you hang up the flight suit? What happens when there's no more rank on your shoulders or on your sleeve? And you step into an environment where you look like everybody else. How does that veteran begin to translate their experience in a way that's meaningful? And furthermore, if you are on the civilian side of the equation and you're beginning to look at the capabilities that you need in your organization, you need operations, you need marketing, you need sales, you need support, you need IT, you need all sorts of things that don't generally translate to experience that veterans have had. So how do you how do you make that work? Well, I talked about a different paradigm. I believe we have to create a new paradigm for the way veterans can come alongside in the business sector. And I don't necessarily think it's exactly the way a lot of people think that it is. In other words, a lot of veterans come out of the service and say, well, I just need to go get another job. Many of them pursue perhaps opportunities in the defense sector or in organizations that support the military in their skill sets. And for a lot of folks, that makes sense. And a lot of times when civilians begin to evaluate resumes, 
when you look, you put an MBA candidate who's had 10 years business experience next to somebody who is a an Army captain or major or lieutenant colonel that is now transitioning out of the service, and you're beginning to look at the capabilities, how does the civilian understand what those really mean? Well, if we begin to understand servant leadership and we begin to understand the impact that leaders have on whatever environment they step into, I submit we can begin to look at the veterans' capabilities in a much different way. Because I really don't care what the specific requirement is of the job. If I go into that position as a veteran, understanding that my capabilities as a leader and especially as a leader that understands teamwork and mutual support and service. Because remember, I've come out of an environment that was built on one commitment that I made when I took that oath of office to serve my nation, to protect the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. When I made that commitment, I put my life on the line when I signed it. So when I make a commitment to go to work for an organization— I may not be specifically putting my life on the line like our firefighters and our police officers do, but I am putting my integrity on the line. I'm putting my commitment on the line to serve you and your organization. For people on the other side of the equation in the private sector, if you've never had the experience of working with a veteran that brings that kind of energy and commitment and focus, then you may be looking through a very narrow lens at what the resume says. In other words, if you're looking for somebody to manage an office operation or perhaps lead a group of people, then you have to begin to understand the impact of the training and leadership development that our military offers. A lot of folks don't understand that for a military person coming back into the civilian sector, we bring a lot of capabilities, both leadership and accountability because the service is all about accountability. We also have a vision for the impossible. Go back and read history at all the moments in our nation's history where the objective was impossible. Go to Normandy, stand on the cliffs of Pont de Ho, and look at where the rangers put their daggers in the top of that mountain and got over the cliffs to take Normandy. We're used to pursuing things that are impossible. In the business climate, what a great opportunity. I'd love to have people working with me that are used to taking out things that most everybody else considers impossible. We have to work through some language. We have to work through some communication capabilities. But at the understanding, But at the end of the day, the understanding of our veterans on what is great about America and how that translates to serving the consumer and making what's great about your company very clear to those who are receiving that product or service, what a glorious combination. And then what happens when you put that veteran next to your CEO on the local community stage and begin to tell the story of how you are bringing out the best in our nation? I propose that when we do this, and we do it in a regular, organized fashion, and we begin to sow seed in every community across the nation and leverage the capabilities of our veterans and our entrepreneurs who can learn from each other on a peer-to-peer relationship, we will begin to rebuild America 
through the power of small business. We will begin to capture servant leadership in a level that's never been seen before. You put those two organizations together, the veterans, the entrepreneurs, the small business people, and then you put their families together in a powerful relationship. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we will be a key part in making America strong again. Thanks for your time today. I look forward to visiting with you next week. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com.